Well, today we continue our study on the Christian spiritual disciplines. And these are the tools that God has given us to grow us in maturity and in godliness for his glory. So two Sundays ago, we discussed the classic discipline of prayer, calling on the name of the Lord. And then last week, we discussed the less traditional, but still extremely important, discipline of rest. Now, while rest may not sound like much of a discipline, it is crucial to our well-being as God's creatures. But even more than that, rest is a way of expressing our faith in God's provision. It reminds us that our worth is found not in our work, and it helps free us from the vicious cycle of worldliness and materialism. And of course, we always remember that it is in Christ alone, and thanks to Christ alone, that we find true eternal rest. But this morning, we shift back to one of the more standard Christian spiritual disciplines, and that is the study of Scripture. Donald Whitney writes, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. There simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of Scripture. Calvin Miller calls Christians who do not study God's word spiritual romantics who want relationship without effort. Ouch. And David Watson says, God's word to us, especially his words spoken by his spirit through the Bible, is the very ingredient that feeds our faith. If we feed our souls regularly on God's word several times each day, we should become robust spiritually, just as we feed on ordinary food several times each day and become robust physically. Nothing is more important than hearing and obeying the word of God. Now, it's not exactly newsworthy that the pastor at your church is telling you that you need to read your Bible. People like me have harped on this for centuries. But the reason we say it so much is because it works. Study of God's word is one of our most effective tools for growing in godliness. So along those lines, open up to Psalm 119. Feel free to use the Bibles we have here if you didn't bring one. Take a Bible home if you don't own one. That way you can, you know, study it. And then let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Uh, Even though you are omnipresent and there's nowhere that we can go that is away from your presence. As, As David writes in Psalm 139, we could go to the depths of the ocean. We could go to the highest heights and everywhere we go, you are there. We acknowledge that, but at the same time, we acknowledge that gathering in your church with your people on your day is a different way of coming into your presence. And regardless of how much this Sunday may feel like last Sunday or how much next Sunday may feel like today, uh, Lord, remind us that gathering in your presence with your people for worship is a wonderful privilege 
It's a sacred duty and responsibility. And Lord, I pray that we would not take that lightly. Thank you that we have the privilege of coming into your presence, that we can approach you in prayer with confidence through who Christ is and what Christ has done, that we have this place to worship, that we have brothers and sisters in Christ to worship with. And Lord, I pray that our worship would be honoring to you today. We love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Psalm 1 is easily one of my personal favorite psalms. In verse 3, it describes the righteous man as a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, how is this person so fruitful? How does this person produce so much life from itself for those around it? How does this person remain vibrant even in the dark and cold seasons of life? Well, verse 2 tells us, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates both day and night. The righteous person delights and meditates on God's word. Scripture is the stream of water that gives life to the tree, which then bears fruit for those around it. But the psalm best known for its celebration of studying God's word is what you've opened to, Psalm 119. This is by far the longest of all 150 psalms. It's called an acrostic meaning that there is a different passage for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You could say that the author loves God's word from A to Z, and he speaks about it with heartfelt and poetic imagery. So just a few selections from Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. and the ways of your testimony I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And lastly, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation 
I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And just for good measure, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For this author, God's laws are not burdensome, oppressive, or boring. They are a source of joy, freedom, and life. And keep in mind that this writer hadn't even heard of the New Testament yet. This psalmist loves God's word, studies it faithfully, and can't help but celebrate it. However, sadly, the same is not always true of us, is it? Which, quite frankly, says more about us than it does about the Bible. Several years ago, USA Today reported that only 11% of Americans read the Bible on a daily basis. The Barna Research Group found that only 18% of born-again Christians read the Bible daily, and 23% admitted that they never read it. Let's read that again. 18% of self-proclaimed believers in Christ read the Bible daily, and 23% of us say that they never read it. Biblical illiteracy is a big problem in our country. But what's far more scandalous is how big of a problem it is within our churches. At one time in history, God's people were called, maybe sneeringly, people of the book. More recently, the name Bible beater may have been thrown around as an insult. But that may not be the case anymore. To our shame, we may not be the people of the book we once were. And rather than beating our Bibles, they're gathering dust. But like we stressed last week with the discipline of rest, God calls us to the discipline of studying his word for our good. For our good. Scripture is the clearest most reliable presentation of who God is and what God has done that we could ever ask for. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul writes that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That phrase training in righteousness is a good summary of spiritual disciplines, what this is about. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This book is unlike any other book that you will ever read. Nothing else that you will ever see, hear, or study is inspired by God's spirit the same way this is. You can learn a great deal about God by examining his creation by interacting with his people, by worshiping in his church, but nothing will ever come close to the knowledge that you gain from studying his revealed word. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, 
Paul challenges believers in Jesus to be transformed by the renewal of our minds as our spiritual act of worship. Well, there is no better way to have your mind renewed and thus be transformed than by regular exposure to God's spirit-inspired word. Theologian J.I. Packer writes, If I were the devil, one of my first aims would be to stop people from digging into the Bible. Knowing that it is the word of God, teaching men to know and love and serve the God of the word, I would do all that I could to surround it with the spiritual equivalent of pits, thorn hedges, and man traps to frighten people off. At all costs, I would want to keep them from using their minds in a disciplined way to get the measure of its message. Study God's word for the renewal of your mind. And as a result, the holy transformation of your life. And lastly, a well-grounded knowledge and understanding of God gained through the study of Scripture can protect us from deception. In Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus is tempted by the devil in the wilderness, where does he turn to fend off Satan's attacks? Scripture. Of course, over and over and over again. It's sometimes said in football that the best defense is a good offense. Well, in the same way, one of the best ways to build up your immunity against temptation, deception and false teaching is to proactively study the holy, true and good words of Scripture. Studying God's word now can help you develop sound instincts for when spiritual threats arise in the future. Study it for your good. Study it for multiple reasons. In one of his sermons, a Puritan by the name of Rogers once preached, Lord, whatever you do to us, take not your Bible from us. Kill our children, burn our houses, destroy our goods, only spare us your Bible. Only take not away your Bible. Now, we may be tempted to write that off as a bit overdramatic, but we must ask ourselves, how highly do we value the incredible gift of God's word? Is scripture our most prized physical possession? If we cannot be bothered to study it, then perhaps we have failed to appreciate it. The Book of Common Prayer says, Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such ways hear them, read, mark, Learn and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, indeed. May we have a deeper desire, a deeper hunger to study God's word. 
It's one of the greatest tools God has given us to grow in godliness. And when we study God's word, we encounter God himself. Now, if the desire to study God's word is already there, that's great. That's a huge part of the process. But practically speaking, how do we actually do it? How do we start? Well, a few tips. Number one, one that you might think goes without saying, but it doesn't. Get a Bible you can actually read. Novel idea, right? Get a Bible you can actually read. Find a Bible that you enjoy reading. In words that you can understand. In a translation that is reliable. Spend some money on one if you have to. I'd be happy to give you recommendations. But really, you can't go wrong with any of the mainstream translations. Find a Bible you can actually read and enjoy. Next, find a plan or make a plan that works for you. There are tons of easily accessible, pre-published Bible reading plans out there. But if none of those work for you, just do something. Whether it's one chapter a day, five days per week, or one verse per day, every day of the week that you really chew on. Whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, a physical copy, a digital resource, or an audiobook. Whether it takes you 30 seconds or 30 minutes, whatever it is, have a plan to read and study God's word for your good. Like we said with prayer two weeks ago, spiritual disciplines require intentionality. These things do not happen by accident. If you don't have a plan for it, you probably won't do it. And then speaking of prayer, I'd encourage you to incorporate prayer into your study of Scripture. The same way I encourage you to incorporate Scripture into your practice of prayer. Come to God's Word with the confidence that God really can use this thing to grow you. Don't be shy about asking God to help you understand the parts that may be difficult to wrap your mind around. One popular prayer-filled way of reading scripture that's been around for centuries is called Lectio Divina. It involves steps like sitting in silence, reading a text, meditating, praying, contemplating, and then committing to living out that text. But that's far from the only way of incorporating prayer into your study. However you do it, pray as you read God's word. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to grow you as you open up his book. And study scripture in community. Don't just read God's word as an isolated individual. Because honestly, that can lead you into all kinds of trouble. Study God's word with the saints of the past and learn from what they wrote. Study God's word with the saints of the present, your brothers and sisters in Christ in a local church. 
That's one of the biggest reasons that we offer small groups and men's and women's ministries and youth group and classes for kids. It's to give people the opportunity to study God's word in community. It can be especially helpful to study scripture with Christians who are more experienced than you are. Christians who are different than you. They can offer perspectives that you would not have thought of. They can help you along when the going gets tough. And they can hold you accountable when you're tempted to quit. Now we've already heard some argue that out of all the Christian spiritual disciplines, this one may be the most important. And that's true. But I would add that this discipline may also be one of the most easily corrupted. So before you do it, a few worthwhile warnings. Don't just study scripture for study's sake. Study to know and grow in your faith in the God who wrote it. There are biblical scholars in this world who have a deep love for scripture as a subject. They've dedicated their lives to it. They know it left and right, up and down, cover to cover. And yet, tragically, they do not actually believe in the God who wrote it. In that Matthew 4 passage that we mentioned earlier, when Jesus quotes scripture repeatedly, when he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness, we see that Satan has attended some Bible studies himself. It's possible to study scripture deeply and still not know God. So don't study this word just for the sake of studying. Don't just treat it as a subject to master. Study to know the God who wrote it. Next, don't study scripture for the sake of being a know-it-all. As Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, Knowledge can puff us up, but love builds us up. Going back to J.I. Packer, he writes, To be preoccupied with getting theological knowledge as an end in itself, to approach Bible study with no higher motive than a desire to know all the answers, is the direct route to a state of self-satisfied self-deception. We need to guard our hearts against such an attitude and pray to be kept from it. Nobody likes a know-it-all, and that includes in the church. And lastly, don't think that studying scripture is the end of it. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, James writes, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Remember what Paul said in Romans 12, that we renew our minds for the sake of transformation, our spiritual act of worship. 
It's great if we know a lot about God in our heads. But remember that we are called to be holy as he is holy in our words and in our conduct. Don't just seek to learn about God. Take what you learn and apply it to your life. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. Don't just be a student. Be someone who acts out what you've learned. Now, there are endless reasons to practical practice this spiritual discipline of studying Scripture. Though, to be honest, God's tell you, God tells you to ought to be enough for Christians like us when you really think about it. Scripture is God's primary way of revealing himself to us. It's a reliable tool for our transformation, and it can protect us against deception. Throw in the fact that some of the heroes of the faith were burned at the stakes so that people like you and me could read the Bible in our own language, and we ought to have plenty of incentives to study this book. But really, the single greatest motivation for studying Scripture is this. It's where we learned the gospel. It's where we learned the gospel. It's how we met Christ. It's how we came to understand Jesus' identity, life, death, and resurrection, and reminds us of his future coming. Maybe you can look back at your life and you can think of special places that are near and dear to your heart. You can think of that restaurant or that coffee shop or that school or that park where you met the person who would become your spouse or you met the person who would become a lifelong friend. Maybe you think back to the house that you brought your first child home to. And you love going back to those places. You love thinking of those places because of how important they have been to your life. Well, Scripture is one of those places. And then some. Because this is where you heard the gospel. This is where you met Christ. So keep coming back to it. Over and over and over again. Study this book. Grow in your love for God. Wear your Bible out. Buy a new one. Wear that one out. And then buy another one. Use this wonderful tool that God has given you for your good. For your godliness. And for his glory. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for the gift of your word. There are so many reasons for us to love and study and delight in your word. So many reasons that the longest psalm in all scripture is dedicated to the goodness and the beauty and the power of your word. And even that's not enough. Lord, we have all these reasons to study your word, all these incentives, all these motivations that you've given us. And this is for our good. But Lord, if nothing else, help us study your word. Give us a longing and a hunger for your word because we have a longing and a hunger to know you better. To learn more about you. To imitate you more closely. 
to follow you more faithfully. Lord, help us study your word because we love your word, but also because we love you, especially because we love you. Thank you that you've given us this word, that we have the joy and the privilege and the honor of studying. Remind us that there are people in this world who would give anything to have the access to your word that we have. And Lord, help us take that not for granted. So help us be faithful. Help us stick our noses into your word regularly, consistently, so that we might grow in godliness, that we might grow in our love for you. Again, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the gospel that this word contains. We thank you for your son, who we learn about from your word. We ask this all in his name. Amen.